This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Football Ala Turka. We're back after a lengthy hiatus. Um, it's been a while since you've heard us, and uh, we're back now for the new season, the 2020-2021 season, which will be played with uh, additional teams, as we know, 21 teams in total. That means 40 games for each respective team, which in turn means a very cluttered schedule. Uh, that also means we will try to cut down a little bit more on our analysis per match. We're going to focus a little bit more, at least for these opening few weeks, on uh, the bigger teams. But we will highlight, of course, the results of all the teams in the league. And we'll look a little bit closer at the newcomers and all of that, of course. Um, but with this first week, because we didn't really do a transfer review episode either, we will be also going into uh, looking at the transfers a little bit. Obviously, the transfer window has not closed yet. But uh, just to inform you what you can expect from this episode. Hello, my name is Kam Bayezid. I am joined by Burak Sezgin. <laughs> I was going to say Yilmaz again. Burak Sezgin, the man of the law. He'll be passing judgment on all the dubious referee calls and... Uh, it wouldn't be Turkish football without dubious referee calls, of course. Jakub Marofol joins us as well from the Netherlands, our uh, house Trabzon pundit, I should say. And then, of course, Umut Naderi joining us live right now from Istanbul, I think. Umut, you're in Istanbul right now? Yeah, currently, but I'm about to travel to London again, I think. Okay, so in a couple of weeks, she'll be able to hear Umut's uh, very bad English accent again. Hopefully, he'll uh, t- tone that down today, though. Um, so our Gal Sarai representative, of course, Umut. Burak, of course, our Fenerbahce representative. And I, myself, the, the Besiktas representative, so to speak. Uh, Uzar Dinger isn't with us today. He got snowed in, apparently. Um, but uh, he'll be back one of the coming weeks for sure. So guys, welcome to the show. It's been a long time. I'm very happy to speak to all of you again and because, of course, we keep in, talk, in contact in our WhatsApp group and discussing stuff, what's going on and things like that. But we haven't really spoken like this uh, ever since our last episode, really. So how have you guys been uh, the last couple of weeks? Well, I say I, I can't remember the last time we did an episode and we, we are thankful to the listeners for, for bearing with us. We, we are back with the start of the new season. Last few weeks, I have been keeping myself busy with work, yeah, I, I work from home. I've worked from home since before we were locked down. So that continues. I've continued to add to my action figure collection. So if you do follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you'll probably be able to see pictures of my display cabinet, uh, new figures that are coming in. I've been going on walks, listening to some podcasts, um, getting you know a little bit of um, eavesdropping in on our competition. Um, and also been having barbecues and shisha as you would expect from me so yeah i'm excited for the super addict to start um 
and also uh, Premier League started in England, which is where I live. So I'll be looking to follow that and seeing how Charles Arsunja does. She was picked in the PFA Team of the Year. So I think that's the first time a Turk has been picked um, in that team uh, in England. So that's a good achievement. So let's hope he, yeah, yeah. he kicks on. He did have a very good game at the weekend for Leicester, who kept a clean sheet. So, yep. Uh, Jakub, what about you? How have you, has your uh, hiatus from uh, football been in the last couple of weeks? Well, it's it's it's, it's been it's it's been uh, the same since uh, since Corona started. I'm pretty much living uh, living the same every day. It's like I'm stuck in my uh, in my own personal Groundhog Day. Um, but I'm good, you know. Not nothing too much to complain about. Um, um, everybody at home is healthy. I'm healthy, and um, just trying to think positive, positive thoughts before you know the inevitable, inevitable meltdown of Transport this year. So I'm just trying to keep my composure up. We'll see how long it takes. It will probably not take that long, but uh, I'm good. I'm doing. I'm doing good. Glad to hear that. What about you, Umut? Are you already uh, eating extra sujuk for the long train trip back to England? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. But like uh, every day is same uh, when you are like alone in the uh, house, and I don't have nothing much to do uh, apart from like playing games or like reading books. Uh, so I'm trying hard to keep my sanity. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, the league has started, and we have now have so much business to watch uh, these games and. Uh, but like they're not as good as they used to be without the fans cheering uh, in the stadium so but it's better like without the football it's not pretty good you know every day is same yeah yeah for sure um, that's definitely the case we miss the fans in the stadiums but I do think that in the second half of the season we will be uh, allowed what is it 15% capacity in the stadiums or something along those lines they did make a statement about that, if I'm not mistaken, but... For yeah, now, I, yeah, like, uh, two of the... Every seat is, like, empty. Like, uh, like one empty seat and uh, one field seat uh, after that. So, uh, we've also bought our season tickets, but they said they're going to compensate every missed game and take it to the other season afterwards. Mm, okay. So it's, it's like a deal, some kind of like that, so... Yeah, that's nice. So we're going to run down the results now at the top of the show quickly, uh, just to give you the results of this match day quickly, and then we'll delve into a couple of the 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 we'll delve into a couple of those results and uh, look in in depth a little bit more at uh, the bigger teams and stuff like that. So let's start off on Friday. Chaiku Rizespor hosted Fenerbahce. That match ended one to two to Fenerbahce. Good start for the Canaries to the new season. Then uh, on then on Saturday, we had a bunch of games. Uh, Dimir Group Sivaspor, last season's revelation to an extent at least, lost at home to Alanya Spor, who had a strong finish to last season and have a start, strong start to the season now. Then newcomers Fatih Karagumruk trashed Yeni Malatya Spor 3-0. Galatasaray did the same to Gaziantep Football Club, although Gaziantep did manage to score one goal against. 3-1 to Galatasaray. Then Gustepe with the biggest win of the weekend, demolishing uh, Denizy Spor with 5-1. Then MK Ankara Guju lost at home to newcomers Erzurum Spor 1-2. I know somebody who won't be happy with that result. Then Kayseri Spore 
beat Kasim Pasha 1-0 on Sunday. Trabzonspor lost at home to Besiktas 1-3. And finally on Sunday we had Antalya Spor beating Gensterbeli 2-0. Now later, uh, then actually earlier tonight, reigning, the reigning defending champions uh, Basakshi here lost away from home to newcomers Hatay Spor. So the new kids on the block in the Turkish Super League, if I'm not mistaken, all getting off to a flying start, three for three for the new teams in the Super League. They all get the three points. Uh, an impressive start for those new sides, especially Hatay Spor here, who get a big win against Basakshi here, who managed to keep pretty much their entire team together and uh, got a couple of reinforcements in as well. This uh, we also unfortunately uh, had Basakshi eliminated from the Europa League a couple of weeks ago when they played their return game against Copenhagen. That didn't end too well. Um, another European result that also uh, took place during the summer break was Besiktas losing 3-1 against Pauk for the Champions League qualifiers. And only one leg was played there because of Corona. Um, so Besiktas are already out of the Champions League qualifiers, so they will head down into the Europa League. Uh, but we'll speak more on that when uh, the Europa League qualifiers start. So those are the results for match day one of the 2020-2021 season. Now let's take a closer look at uh, some of the teams here. We'll start off with Fenerbahce. Burak, a new season starts for Fenerbahce. A lot of new faces for the team. What did you see? What did you like? And what didn't you like? Also, of course, a new coach. Tell us a little bit more of, on your first impressions on uh, him as well. Uh, yes, um, a good winning start for, for Fenerbahce on, on Friday night, uh, kicking off the, the Super League. Um, just before I go on, um, the three promoted teams winning all their first games of the campaign. The first time it's happened since the 1995-96 season. Uh, that is a stat that came in from Azad Injad, um, our, our resident uh, Chicago living uh, Galatasaray fan. He snowed under with work he's not snowed in um so i know chicago is quite cold um so just so our listeners know he's okay he's just got a lot of work so time differences he couldn't make it today but he's not snowed in he's not going to turn into jack nicholson from the shining and come at us with an axe so thank you for that stat um Azar, give that to us um switching to friday night's game like you say brand new coach errol bullets Returning to his Juva, as they say, the Canary comes home. Um, he joined us, I think 95-96 was his first season with us, or maybe it was uh, the one before, if I can remember, all the way back then. Um, he won a championship with us. He then moved around a few more clubs in Turkey. He played for Olympiakos. Uh, you know he was managing in Turkey at Malatya Spor, and then he went to Alanya Spor when Sagan and him did the old switcheroo after one season and now he's ended up uh, at Fener. Um, apparently there were rumours that Fener Bace were going to be in for Andrei Shevchenko as manager, supposedly, before the Euros then got cancelled and put back. So make of that what you will. But I, for one, I'm, I'm happy with the appointment of Errol Bolut. He's a young manager. You could call him a, a dynamic attacking manager someone to bring some new blood. He knows the club as well, which is good. Even though it's been like over 20 years since he's played for us, you, you mm. play at a club, you kind of get an idea of the, the DNA of the club and how it works. And so, you had your eye on him for a while already. I, I think that he was one of your favourites 
for a while already, right? For me personally, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's purely because of him having played for us before and the fact that you've seen some good football being played from him in his teams in both Malacha and Alanja, you know, attacking and not so defensive minded. Looks like he likes to use wingers to go forward. So I was excited about what he could bring to the club. And we've made some some decent transfers as well when you when you look at it. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of you are aware of the transfers that Farabaja have made. The ones that really um, give me some hope um, are players like uh, Matt Hakanyan Dashan Jose Sosa in midfield because I think that is going to add some some steel, some creativity some, some character in there which we've been lacking we've got a couple of new centre-backs now, you have uh, Lemos the Uruguayan and uh, Tissanand who's signing anytime soon and up front you've got Enna Valencia and Mametiam who look like they're going to be two exciting players and we're looking to add some more and it looks like we need it because judging by Friday's performance, we were we were lucky to win. I think if you look at the game as a whole, Rizzo were the, the better team. They looked fitter. They looked stronger. They knew each other much better, which you expect from a team that has been together for a while now. Um, they may have uh, lost a few players, but they, they've added. Uh, they were playing at home. Got to say, their pitch was awful. Um, I think Jakob mentioned this to us in the group chat a few weeks ago when I think Trabzon were playing a friendly there and yeah, their pitch looks like it was a bloody cabbage patch field. Um, the ball wasn't moving easily. You can still see that a lot of the Ferrar players were not too familiar with each other. Again, you've bought all these players and chucked them in a very short period to adjust. We did have the Land of Legends Cup, which we we won. Um, got presented the trophy by Shaitan himself. Um, that was really weird. Um, but he was one of the mascots from the Land of Legends Hotel Resort in Belek. So if you didn't know, that's the story behind that. Why they chose that particular mascot, I don't know. Because there are some other mascots as well, but they apparently saw that one fit. And watching those games, I was like, okay, Tiam, he's got a hat trick against... Antalya spot in the first game of the semi-final um, made a penalty which Janar took and scored obviously we'll get to his penalty miss on Friday so all in all I thought you know those two practice games a lot tougher match against Sivas spot um, in the final um, but you know they are missing two of their best players from last season Emre Kalunch and Matt Hakan Yandash um, Matt wasn't playing for us in the final I think he was away with Turkey and now he's injured as well, so you could tell by Friday, you know, there's still a lot of players to come into this this first team. So you still got Mart Hakan to come into the starting eleven, Jose Sosa to come into the starting eleven, uh, Philip Novak to come in. We had Ferdi did start the game, but he had been away with the under twenty one Netherlands squad, so he was also fatigued. But let's get to the brass down the brass tacks. Uh, Awarded a, a penalty for handball. Now, I was, was watching the game. I was like, saw the incident happen. I thought, that's a penalty. Um, and to my surprise, Arda Kardish left, went to VAR, looked at it, and very quickly came to his decision. So I thought, okay, is this like a change? 
the Turkish referees going to VAR and making quick decisions, actually going to VAR and consulting VAR. And then that trickled through the rest of the games over the weekend. And up steps Janat to take the penalty. So I thought, okay, he's you know, he took the one against Antalya Sport in the Land of Legends Cup. So let's see him take it again. I don't think he was the the best penalty taker in the team on the field um, at that time. I would have preferred someone like uh, a Dennis Turic to take it. Um, he's also a good set-piece specialist, um, a, a good right foot, good left foot. Apart from that, I was thinking maybe uh, Tiam could potentially take it. Um, Jonah took it. Uh, was saved by Gokanakan. Good save. Some people were saying that there was encroachment by the defending players. I've seen it in slow motion, and I think they were on the line. Um, there are um, for the people that are listening. We know about the laws that governed penalty kicks last season, right? We're aware of them, and we all know that I follow these laws very strictly. And I am looking at the EFAP 2020-2021 rules right now because I, as you know, am a man of the law. So there have been some changes to these penalties this season, which I want to tell our dear listeners about. So here are some of the changes. So you have rules depending on the outcome of the penalty kick, whether it's a um, goal or if it isn't a goal. Now, it doesn't matter if the penalty kick is scored or if it's missed. If there's an encroachment by defending and an attacking player, then a penalty is retaken no matter what. So, for example, if John had scored that penalty, but let's say Tiam was in the area and uh, Morozuk was in the area at the same time, the penalty would have to be retaken. And now we get onto offences by the goalkeeper. So, we know last season, if a goalkeeper came off his line, that was penalised and the goalkeeper was given a yellow card. Apparently, the referees this season can let the goalkeeper off on the first occasion. So if they make an error, so let's say they save the penalty, but they came off their line. The penalty is retaken, but the referee shouldn't give the goalkeeper a yellow card. He should let them off. Now, if the goalkeeper and the penalty taker offend at the same time, and an offence by a penalty taker is a pause or a stutter, those little shimmies that you take, what happens is an indirect free kick is given and a yellow card comes out for the penalty taker. So watch the penalties very clearly this season. Um, I'll put a snapshot of these rules up online for you, but just so you know, there are some changes happening there. And then what happens in the game, first half finishes... A lackluster performance by Fenerbahce. I'm thinking, where is the attack or creativity going to come from? These players look tired. They don't look like they know each other very well. Second half starts, and you have Risa Sport again pressing. Melniak bombs it down on the left-hand side, puts in a great cross to Milan Skoda, who scores a great goal. Great-headed goal. I'll tie. No chance. So I'm thinking... Here we go. First game of the season. Wait, Rizza. Rizza play much better than us. Then what happens? The two old old Ferrar boys, Jonad and Gökhan Gönül, combine. A little routine that they've been running for years now. 
in swinging corner by Janad, header by Gurkhan. Now, there's no goal line technology in Turkey. The ball crosses the line. It's clear to see on VAR. And I'm thinking, bloody hell, here we are. Again, we've had two decisions go our way by VAR. What's what's going on? This this isn't supposed to happen. This isn't in the script. We're supposed to get screwed over. But I'm thinking, okay, maybe this season's gone a little bit different. Maybe there's a reason to have some hope. But what happens... Um, is Arda Kardish lad checks with far the goal is given so I'm thinking okay you know we've got a chance here it's 1-1 obviously I'm still worried because our defence is not looking that great and the, the Rizza attack is, is powerful and quick he's putting us under pressure so what happens then is a cross comes in um, Enna Valencia on as a substitute goes up to head the ball he gets hit in the face by um, Morozuk's elbow. It goes down. Uh, penalty given. Was it a soft penalty? I think so, yes. Is that a foul anywhere else on the pitch? Yes, it is. So, penalty given. And it was consistent with Arda Kardeshle's refereeing of the game. He wasn't allowing any strong challenges. There was a simple position with Frey where he pushed the Rizespor player over, which was soft. He gave the foul against Farabacha for Rize. So the award of the penalty matched Arda Kardeshler's refereeing of the game. And we didn't think Jaren was going to take it again. So who steps up? Um, one of our new signings, Jose Sosa, um, who we all know from his playing days in Turkey at Trabzon and previously Besiktas and also from Milan. So he needs no introduction, steps up, puts the penalty straight down the middle. And a well-fought, hard-earned victory. Was it harsh on Rizespor? Yes. I think the, the fair result for that would have been a draw because we didn't look that deadly. Um, Michael Frey worked hard. He had a decent shot. But he's not, you know, Farabacha quality. So whether he stays in reserves or whether he's shipped out in the next couple of days, depending on the strikers that we get in, we shall wait to see. But overall, um, a good winning start for the team. And it's good to build on the momentum that we gained by winning that preseason tournament. However, hokey cokey you might call it, it's good to get into a winning mentality. It's good to see Gokhan Gunnel with the, the captain's armband on. And I'm looking forward to the players coming back. I'm excited to see what Errol Bullock does with his squad. So I'm thinking in my head, you know, is he going to have Ferdi and Tiam on the wings? And then maybe someone, we're going to be signing a striker to play down the middle. Tiam does give me Musa So vibes. He's not really a winger. He's not really an out-and-out striker. He can start on that right-hand side and come in. Enna Valencia, um, speedy. I just hope he doesn't turn out to be Gary Rodriguez Mark II. And, but what I'm excited to see is that central midfield. Like We now have you know, Gustavo, Sosa, Ozan, Omar Farouk, Bayas, Mertakan Yadash. Looks like Gerald is on his way out. We have somehow got Udinese to sign Tall Guy. And we have Tolga Gierge, who I would keep as a squad player. 
I think he's very um, underrated. He gets a lot of hate from Fenner fans, but when you need someone to come in and do a job of winning the ball, fighting, scrapping, pushing people, being a bit of a bully, he's that lump who's a little bit mobile. Would I want him on the end of a through ball? No. Would I want him running through with the keeper one-on-one? Definitely not. But would I want him in that engine room when it's 1-1 or we're 1-0 up with 10 minutes to go? Yes, I'd want Tolga Giorgi and then mixing it up a little bit. So may have gone on a little bit long. I'm glad you have entertained me. But it's been a long time since I've watched a, a league match for, for Fenerbahce. It's a long time since I've seen a win. Yeah. So um, those are my thoughts. Um, good to get off the winning start. The only way is up. Let's get our players back to fitness, and we've got to do it quickly because we're playing Altstra in two weeks. All right. Okay. Um, that's all. Uh, you give your uh, your thoughts there. A great, uh, great little uh, summarization of uh, the window, of course, and the game. Um, just one thing, though. Do you really feel that was an elbow to the face? Because I have an angle here that I just sent in the group as well. Like, there's no contact with his face, man. It's like, an elbow to the face. It's not it, like a, a vicious elbow. It doesn't he, even touch his face. Look at look at the angle I just I just sent. Like there's no contact with the face whatsoever. It's like an elbow to the shoulder at most. Well, it's contact, right? Yeah, but that's not to the face though. There's, that's not not an elbow to the face. Well, you know, it it follows through. So maybe it's a forearm to the face, but yeah. it is what. Listen, if that penalty was given against my team, I'd be pissed off. That that doesn't even get given in the middle of the field. Um, it does for no, me. No. Yeah, never. it does. But no, like no. I say, it, it, it matched Arda Kardishler's refing of the game, so it matched his consistency of refing. So that is if, that is yeah. No. Yeah, you know, and you know <laughs> some people on Twitter are angry about it and you know most of them are fans of opposing teams well, who you know, that's, get that's, shit cool. So it, I just say to you guys, just you know, calm down, take a chill pill, open up a nice can of coke, and shut the fuck up. That's a, that's 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 two points on a silver platter right there. That's we will take is. all the points we're given, <laughs> and let's not forget the penalties that you know were given to Besiktas and Kaltasaray. Ah, what about ism? Okay, let's let's go down that route. Uh, guys, quick uh, quick thoughts uh, on this. Uh, Jakub and, and Umut, did, did you think that was a p- uh, elbow to the face warranting a penalty? Well, I should say uh, I think uh, the same as Burak because, you know, uh, he also talked about the rule book and the changes on the uh, this kind of conduct so I think the same way like uh, uh, the intent is the main thing in there and if you don't get the ball and you know it's kind of like uh, off the ball thing and he just uh, tries his best to like you know get the opponent off the ball uh, and you know how can I say it you know get him in a, a wor- uh, worse position uh, than he is so uh, and if you don't uh, you know control your arms uh, inside the box uh, the opponent can use it and you know 
even if though if he didn't dive, I don't think he dived, but he can dive. So these may give. No, it's not a dive. I don't even think he's reacting he, to the to the l the quote unquote elbow. I think he's just going up for the header and just goes yeah, yeah. under the yeah, ball. Yeah, he yeah he got a he got the opponent's elbow into his face. So uh, I can say it's a clear penalty. Yeah, not as clear, crystal clear, but you know you can see it in your uh, zoomed version. Yeah, I'm zooming in on it right now. I don't see any contact with his face, man. Like, do you, did you see the video I sent? From yeah. the, the other angle, like, where's the contact to the face? <laughs> He's literally going up for the header, going back for it. No, no. You can't challenge like that in the box. Yeah, like, you, you, you have to challenge. Like, He's just making himself know, broader. It's, it's just going for a, a, a challenge. It's 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 barely it's barely a challenge. Morizuk knows exactly what he's doing. He's a savvy character. Mm -hmm. This this Ukrainian. I do like his new <laughs> hairstyle as well. He's the bald head and and, and the is beard. He, he looks. Isn't he, you know, no, isn't no, he Croatian? Think, it, think about that. You know, some kind of players don't even uh, you know uh, put your arms uh, put their arms on their backs inside the box to that's avoid to, a, a, that's a to hand avoid, contact. That's to avoid a handball. It has nothing to yeah, do yeah, with yeah. a physical duel. Yeah, but you have to player. you have to you have to be careful inside the box because eventually you regret it if you don't care about it so you have to be careful every time mm -hmm. uh, Jakub? Um, I mean you know it's uh, it doesn't help that uh, that Rize has one of the worst stadiums you know the pitch is horrible and uh, and, and stands are horrible so the camera is positioned in such a way that you don't really get to yeah, see yeah. Uh, you know a, a good angle of it um, you know, uh, the anti-Fenerbahce person in me says, uh, you know, it's a sh it, it's not a penalty, it's all Fenerium, you know, TFF is do doing its thing again. But, um, you know, on one side, it kind of looks like a, uh, a, a traditional Burak Yilmaz flop every time he gets touched. But on the other hand, it does. I don't think it's does. a flop, he just, he goes up for the ball and he just doesn't get it. Like, yeah, well, I know. I, well, he does I, fall I, flat afterwards, I guess, but... I mean, it does. It does also kind of look. like he did get, uh, did get like an arm in his face. But you know, uh, as I said, because the angle is uh, such a bad one, we don't, we can't, we can't really say what happens. But we just yeah. want consistency. It sets a yeah. dangerous precedent for the rest of the season. But yeah. But the thing is, if he does. Can't, I can't properly make out if he actually gets the arm in his face. If he does get the arm in his face, yeah, you know, then then it's a penalty, definitely. I, well, I just, you know, Art the Kardashian thinks he did. I just can't make it out if it actually went in his face. Well, That's know. why we're doing a podcast about it and not refereeing games on if the pitch. If only now. we had, we could, yeah, yeah, you might actually be right. Does he? I don't like Valencia goes up as if he's about to you know do the Fosbury flop, you know mm. the high jump, and he gets you know put off balance, and I don't think you can contort your way in the air mm. that much. It's well, not like you're falling like face down to like make it look how, overtly. Well, how did you find the new transfers though? Let's move on exactly. Yeah, let's move on to the transfer second, and also uh, you you linked a tweet yesterday, Vera Muric. Off to Lazio Roma, 
Uh, what's, yeah. what's what's the last on that? Let's dig into that first. He was a big player for you guys last year, especially first half of the season. Dropped off a little bit second half of the season. But definitely he was an important part of that team last year. Somebody Very. you could have built on this year. And now you'll have to obviously replace him. Let's dig into that for a little bit. He's off to Lazio. How much money is involved? And who is the number one uh, candidate? Sorry for that. Uh, number one candidate to succeed him at Fenerbahce. Um, reports are still differing on the official final fee. It's anything from between 18 million to 20 million euros, which is, is great when you think, I think we picked him up for about 3.5. I think Riza are owed 10% of the profit of the sale. So they'll get 10% of, you know, 16 point something million. So they're going to get a nice 1.67 million pound um, sum um, as their, their sell on fee. Um, like you say, yeah, uh, going to miss him. It would have been ideal for him this season because I think the uh, the midfielders we brought in would have given him a lot of service, which would have meant he could have stopped coming deep all the, the time to get the ball. He could have done what he loves to do is get into the box, head the ball, turn and shoot, get into those positions where he can volley it and make those runs in behind. He's not the quickest, but you know he does have an intelligent brain where he can get himself into those positions. Now, loads of rumours about potential uh, replacements. Um, so, some of the front runners are Zilouis uh, from from Porto. I believe you have the chap at Aston Villa, um, Samata. He's been talked about. Some people seem to think Cavani is a possibility, and I'm not not with his wages, mate. Didn't he just join Atletico Madrid or something? No, nothing official's come out so far today about that. But he's, you know, a free agent. We have spoken to his agent, who, who's, I think we kind of tried to, you know, broach it by saying, how does Edinson feel about, you know, a transfer? And the agent says we're open to all offers, which makes me think, you know, he's he's after that last big payday. So it doesn't matter how much, you know, a Lugano can speak to him about it, and as a, you know, Uruguayan to Uruguayan. I don't think that's feasible, especially not with that wage. Some people have said you've got uh, Jean-Pierre in the summer. I think I've butchered his name, but the striker who plays for Young Boys Burn. But again, he's not really an out-and-out striker goal scorer like um, a Vedat was. Mm. So he's, again, he's kind of like that Musa So position uh, where Tiam is playing that, you know, that inside right. Can play as a striker, as a forward, but not really... A striker, so I am still. I don't know. They might surprise us with something, but I think it's going to be based on the names we've mentioned. I would like someone who is that that Vedat style player, like a striker, someone who you don't want to put out onto the left or the right. Mm-hmm. You want to put him down the middle. Target and he's forward sp- who can score yeah. some goals. Basically, I want to go get a time machine and go back and get Pierre Van Hooydonk. That's what I want. <laughs> that's what I want to do. Because um, I, I, I can't remember the last time we've had a target man striker like a Hoydonk. And Van Hoydonk. Van Hoydonk, mm. yes. <laughs> and um, before that, we had you know Kenneth Anderson for a few mm. seasons, and he was okay. But Pierre came in and was like uh, fantastic. And since then, it's always been you know you've got Musa Musa. So Niang mm. was a great goal scorer again. Not so bad. he a little bit more uh, a striker than so was then he had people like Webo and Kite and Van Persie and then 
I yeah, don't want to say shit. The strong ta target man striker you haven't really had, I think, in between Van Hooydonk and, and, and Velat. You know, Van Persie's tall, but he's not really... He was never that type of a player. Uh, yeah, you definitely and, didn't. Yeah, a pure goal scorer like... Like a Falcao is a pure goal scorer. You'd say Brock Yilmaz, who's now um, in France, is a mm -hmm. pure goal scorer. Like a Serloff was like, you know, get the ball, he'll score your goals. We've not had a player like that for a while. So I don't want us to go in and grab someone like, you know, the, the guy from Young Boys Burnt because he's probably decent. He can do a job in the Turkish League, but there are players in his position. Give me a a fox in a box, a just a pure someone who you guys lives. were linked with uh, Zahavi for a while there, but he uh, that 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 broke down. I think after he got arrested in Israel recently for <laughs> disturbing the peace. Okay, um, <laughs> but yeah, he he would have been ideal. Um, but maybe well, I yeah. think there was a personality clash there. It might have also been a you know you, he's a proven goal scorer, but also you know he's done it basically only done it in the Israeli league and the Chinese league. Um, there's always a question there, I think, as well, if you're going to get a player from Young Boys, it could be a great get, but it could be another Frey as well. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, I, yeah. Yeah. I see a lot of similarities yeah. with Frey and, and, and Kyle Lahren, for example. I think those are both players that could do a good job for maybe a mid-table team in the Turkish League, but I think both of them will come up a little short for a top team. Um, yeah, they just... I can't fault Frey for his lack of effort because mm. the guy's got himself in phenomenal shape. He always works hard. He looks just, like a tank. Yeah, he's just not got the ability, and hard hard work only gets you so far. Um, and if you're a forward and you're a hard work, no one wants a hard working centre forward. I couldn't give a toss if well, my centre forward is lazy. If he scores me 20, 25 goals a season, I'm happy. I was going to say, it depends. If you've got a hard-working forward that scores you 12, 15 goals, I think a lot of teams would would be very happy with that. Yeah, um, like, a, like a Dirk Kout, for example. You, yeah, you either need someone with good work rate that scores you a decent amount of goals, but not like an exorbitant amount, or you need somebody that, you know... Basically, I described Kyle Lauren like that to somebody earlier today, actually. Like, he... he he is not present enough to warrant playing on the team because either you need to be very present weighing on the defense like the entire game and then you can get away with scoring nine or ten goals if you're just if you yeah have a positive impact on the rest of the team but if you're going to be invisible for 95 percent of the match and then you score only eight or nine goals or, or ten goals that's just not enough then then you need to be the type of player that scores up up to 20 goals or something like that and to really be warrant your team on the spot you know, that your spot on the team sorry yeah and for me that is probably going to be one of the the major mm -hmm. differences between you know, winning the championship or not yeah yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. that Those are always the most exciting signings, I think, for fans. So definitely, for Fenerbahce fans, the coming uh, couple of remaining weeks of, of the transfer window, it's going to be very exciting to see, especially now when that Vedat money comes in. Uh, once he's officially gone and the, and the fees, all the contracts have been signed and all that stuff, and you get that money in, there's going to be some room for Fenerbahce to make some moves. Uh, obviously, they also are... Uh, limited by these, uh, these 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 budgetary limits, but this this money is definitely going to give them some breathing space because they did make some uh, high uh, wage signings already this this window. Um, Jose Sosa, 
uh, came in on, on a decent amount of wage and of course you know Philip Novak, Gokhan, Janer, all those guys came in on decent wages but Fenerbahce offloading some people don't know if you've mentioned that before I think you did briefly tall guy Aslan is now off to Udinese I think a very peculiar signing right there uh, so I, they, peculiar yeah. almost as peculiar as like um, someone who came to Fatih Karagumruk who we'll mention a little bit yes. later yeah, yeah, for I sure. just hope, hope tall guy doesn't try and roll up his pizza like a dudum in front of the Italians because they will chase him out of the city if he does that but you know, who, you know bless our transfer team who have somehow managed to ship him off to Italy yeah. um, so and if Jailson is sold he does go I will be sad because this is the first time that he would have been able to play in his natural position on central midfield after being shunted in, into centre back but you know if his sale and where is he paves, um, I don't know I've completely forgotten at this point in time I think it might be a Chinese club or another club maybe or, or Jakob can have a look and let us know whilst we're waxing lyrical but if the rumours are true and Charles's exit paves the way for Dawkins Sinek to come in um, then I'll be I'll be happy you know we have said there's going to be a couple more transfers to happen but um, it's been a messed up pre-season it's a bit of messed up year let's be honest messed up year which is mm-hmm. messed with the transfer season it's messed with players so let's do the best we can we've done okay so far and um, like I say two good sales for us last year summer we sold LFL Mas to Napoli for circa 20 million euros this summer Vedat has gone to Lazio I think next summer you could maybe see Farda and Altai go together or maybe one goes and then one goes a year after mm. and then you have time for someone like an Omar Farouk to stake his place in the, the first team and then go when he reaches maybe 19-20 so you know buy buy him cheap, sell him high that's pretty much the tactic I think a lot of the Turkish sides are going to have to kind of employ for yeah, the next for couple sure. of seasons whilst we build the country's football back up yeah, and lots of that, of course, will also depend on uh, the country's uh, financial economy. Uh, the, the economy rebounding at some point, it, it definitely will have to, or you know, building up the football is going to become that much harder. But uh, definitely, uh, if you are able to sell some players for 15, 16 million, uh, 18 million, 20 million, that that definitely goes a long way. And of course, uh, Fenerbahce have a couple of, of of players you could definitely think like Ferdi, who can in a couple of years maybe make that move as well. And Trabzon definitely have those types of players. Uh, Bishtis have a couple of exciting young guys running around as well. Uh, let's let's quickly highlight that result as well from uh, Sivaspor and Alanya Spor. Alanya Spor just continuing their good run um, of last season, their, their good finish to last season. Sivaspor continuing their bad run of form, perhaps. Um, yeah, Alanya Spor, they, are, uh, they made a couple of really interesting moves as well. Uh, this this uh, this transfer window, if I'm not mistaken, I believe they, they signed uh, Babacar from Fiorentina. Uh, which is somebody that has been repeatedly linked with other Turkish, with the big Turkish clubs, really. Uh, and they just seem to be able to to get those really interesting strikers uh, every every time. I don't know what how they do it. Like, they got Wagner Love a couple of seasons ago, then they got Papi Sisse, now they got Babacar. Um, very interesting how uh, they uh, always seem to get those 
those uh, high-profile strikers. Good start to the season for them, of course, for Alanya Sport. They will also be in action in Europe this season in the Europa League qualifiers. So let's hope uh, that those uh, transfers they made, which will, uh, which I don't think we're going to delve into deep right now. We'll do uh, a full-fledged uh, transfer review once the window closes. But uh, good start to the season for Alanya Spor. Um, then already we talked about this as well, Fatih Karagumri uh, yeah, getting off to a good start with a 3-0 win over Yeni Malatya. Let's quickly highlight that big transfer that uh, Burak already alluded to uh, earlier today. That news broke. Former Anderlecht, former Lazio Roma, former AC Milan midfielder and Argentina midfielder Lucas Biglia has signed for Fatih Karagumruk. A mind-boggling uh, move really, especially if you look at the Turkish uh, economy right now, the state of the big clubs do all have to uh, size down, uh, save on their, their their budget, on their wage budget, and then we see somebody like Lucas Biglia coming in, and uh, I think Umut, you linked something along the lines of 2.8 million for Biglia. How is a team like Karagumruk affording that? Uh, but more importantly, you know, how, how, why is a player like Lucas Biglia coming to a club like Karagumruk? I think he could definitely still have gotten a higher profile club to snatch him up. What do you guys think of that move? I think you can just uh, get a play by using the, you know, attractiveness of Istanbul, a big city in Europe. And, you know, you can just give him some promises and a uh, decent wage will do, you know. Mm, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, <laughs> I that kind of attribute Kasım Pasha and Başakşehir has as well. You know, mm. uh, a club from Istanbul has a bigger advantage during these big transfers. Mm. Yeah, we've seen it with Kasım Pasha, with Ryan Babel, with Ryan Donk, um, with with Scarione. Uh, they had a, yeah, a lot of good names a couple of years ago that they all seem to attract around the same time. So it's definitely a part of it for sure. But still, though, the question remains, a club like Fatih Karagumruk, a very small club, really, not a huge fan base or anything, not even a, a decent stadium, really. Uh, how are they on earth uh, being able to afford something like this? Um, you have to wonder how long is Lucas Viglia going to be around for? Th these are the things, to me, that just goes immediately like, oh, he's gone in six months because he's not getting paid. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully not the case, because that's just more bad press for the Turkish league, especially with a high profile player like that. But a very noticeable signing, uh, and we'll, we look forward to seeing him on uh, the Turkish potato fields, for sure. Let's uh, head over to Galatasaray then. They get their season started with three points as well. 3-1 win at home against Gaziantep. Emre Kilinc scoring on his debut, and uh, Radamel Falcao with a brace. Uh, Umut, how did you experience this victory for Galatasaray? Well, you know, it's the first game of the year and uh, everybody wants their first game to be a victory like this. And uh, also, we seen Arda Turan for the first time with a long time, you know. Uh, and it was quite a surprise to me that he performed really well uh, under the Galatasaray shirt, you know. Uh, even though he made some mistakes in his past career uh, as a person, you know, I don't think he did uh, bad things under the on the field uh, as a football player. But as a person, he did some bad things uh, throughout the media and his daily life. But I think uh, every Galatasaray fan missed him, even though of his mistakes, you know, 
uh, his football talent is too precious, you know. Everybody wants to watch him, and uh, even though he wasn't fit, uh, he did his best on the field and tried his best, and I think he made a difference on the field. But you know, Gaziantep uh, football club it wasn't a you know test for Galatasaray. You know, they are like uh, an easy team in the league. Uh, but we get the privilege to watch him for the first time uh, in a long time, and. You know, we watched Emre clinch uh, and his goal. You know, Falcao did his best to feed him the goal. And Galatasaray scored a great goal, uh, starting with that penalty uh, in the first few minutes. Uh, a handball caused by a sh- shot deflected. Uh, uh, shot came in by Faguli and deflected by handball. A uh, referee went to VAR to check it. And it was given after a few seconds. And... Falcao scored it, uh, and after what he assisted to uh, Emre Kulinc, and he finished it really well, a kind of slight dip in uh, uh, over the goalkeeper. And afterwards, uh, we see Galatasaray uh, giving away some positions uh, because of the lack of the centre midfielder, because Galatasaray started with Thailand and Thailand there. And he wasn't quite capable of doing the, you know, box-to-box kind of things. But he tried his best. But it showed some, you know, a lack of uh, that kind of player on the field for Galatasaray. And we should have a signing in these days uh, before the transfer window closes. Uh, it's quite urgent uh, for it. You know, it's also... Uh, fixture of tight you know uh, we're gonna play like 60 games totally in, uh, in this season if you're including the yeah. european games and the cup games and mm-hmm. for sure you'll have to need a good uh, quality uh, central midfielder and you can't just go there by thailand and you know ryan donk or Omar Bayram. Uh, yeah, so yeah. you can have some tough games uh, in these fixtures and mm-hmm. you have to be well prepared for them and afterwards uh, we uh, we have we seen uh, Mbaya Jagne coming in for like a few minutes uh, at the end of the game and he, even though uh, he had like to, uh, you know low on time mm-hmm. he, he still had his chance but he hit yeah, the post yeah, yeah uh, from close from the goal but he showed great signals and he showed like he will compete against Falcao this season, and which will benefit God's right uh, in this uh, tough fixture. Yeah, for sure. You missed uh, a striker when Falcao and both, uh, what was his name again, the Romanian guy, they were both out Andone. at the same time. Of Andone. Course, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, Galtray have made some moves this window. Uh, Arda Turan, as you already alluded to, Emre Kilinc, of course, which I think is one of the most exciting moves. Uh, but then they also uh, signed uh, Omar El Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> that's going to be really, a while. Yeah, El but yeah. I really liked him as well. He's like really pacey and really mm-hmm. stamina, like dynamo kind of player. Yeah. Like he's like Linus, but a better version, you know. Uh, he wants the ball uh, and mm-hmm. he tries to get it back every time the uh, team loses the ball. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes he is too eager to get it and he just loses his position and mm-hmm. just leaves his space behind uh, like blank. So uh, 
you know, it's an invitation for the opponent to like go and get there. Uh, it's yeah, with, with both him and Sarachi, I think you have two uh, yeah. very offensive uh, yeah. backs. That's going to be interesting yeah. to see yeah. uh, how some of the more um, uh, proficient countering sides uh, try to exploit that. Another uh, signing that uh, definitely, I think, uh, turned some heads, Uljan Chalayan. Uh, I don't think anyone really saw that one coming. Uh, Etebo, big signing as well there. Uh, Fatih Öztürk, of course, who was in goal in this match, of course, uh, replacing the still injured Fernando Muslera. He had a decent game as well, I, I thought. Uh, interesting signing. And, of course, a lot of uh, players returning from loan, like Mbaye Diagne, like Ryan Babel, who both uh, got minutes here as well. Yeah. Uh, but no replacement yet for Onyekuru. Uh, the the pacey yeah. winger that you I guys think, really liked uh, last season. I think season. Kerem Akturkoğlu from that Erzincan sport from the mm. third division of the Turkey. Uh, he came by as a free transfer and a big prospect for the future. I think uh, I watched his couple of his games uh, during the playoffs in this third division the, for the promotion games. Mm -hmm. uh, he played really well, and but you know. It, it's, not it's a big a, step up, of course. Yeah, yeah a big step up. I mean, we remember, uh, what's that kid, that guy called you signed from Eskishir's for last season? Like, we saw uh, he was doing really well in the second division, and, and then, ah, like... You know, Sekidika. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, just you see that the step is, is too big. But we'll have to wait and see, of course, how 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 it goes for uh, Kerem Akturkole. Um and yeah, I mean, do you still expect a, a replacement there for, for uh, Henry Jong-Rukuro? Or do you think Emery Kilinc is going to fill, that, being able to fill that role of a more... Uh, I, I don't think Emery has the same pace, but he definitely makes very smart runs. He knows how to get in between the lines and uh, in behind the defense. And, and he's definitely a very sly player. Do you think he can successfully fill that role maybe for that Henry Onyukuru now lost? Something that Fatih Terim does like. Uh, he does like a pacey winger like that, like Onyukuru, like Bruma. Of course, Babel back now, but... Yeah, there's no, not really. I a... think, I think if you don't have a player like Henry Onyekuru or Bruma, you might as well uh, make your plans according to your squads uh, this time because, like, you have uh, great talents mm -hmm. like Emre Kulinch and Arda Turan. Even though they lack the pace, mm -hmm. they have great feet uh, and they can like, uh, you know, build up play and uh, serve some passes to the strikers, mm -hmm. like uh, create some positions for them and. I think we can have the game of possession uh, right now again, mm -hmm. and instead of the, that uh, explosive counter attacks and you know. Yeah, yeah. You also saw in this match. I felt there was a lot of passing going around around uh, Gaziantep uh, penalty area. Of course, I think that was a three nil. It stood out to me in the second half, especially that there was a lot of chance creation around the box. Short passes, short combinations, shots being taken uh, readily. Um, but of course, yeah, you're training up. We'll have to wait and see what how Galtzar are going to be able to cope with a team that maybe closes them down a little bit more. But definitely, uh, the early signs here are positive from uh, the football being played. I think uh, I think both you and Uzar were very happy with the match, despite yeah. no, no fans. Um, still a good performance from Galtzrai and a good start to the season. Uh, do you still expect any big signings to come in the next uh, couple of days, weeks? Uh, I think so. They, uh, even though we have Atebo as a central midfielder, uh, I'm expecting uh, another one or two signings to come. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, as a backup, uh, we, we we have to be a you know uh, 
have a great great depth of a squad uh, for these tight fixtures. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's you know, 40 matches in the league alone, like you already said, and then on top of that, European matches, and on top of that, Turkish ga uh, cup games. Cup games. Yeah. The, but all teams are going to need uh, a much broader squad than before, yeah. which only adds to the, the yeah the the, the, the mind-bogglingness of the decision of the Turkish Football Federation to increase our league right now, when all Turkish clubs seem to be hurting financially. Uh, you're basically telling them, well, we know you're hurting financially, but you do have to sign more players because you're going to have more matches uh, to deal with. So it, it's just a really weird decision. Uh, all around, I feel. Uh, let's uh, move on then. Uh, of course, we had a really big result from Gustepe against Denizli Spor. 5-1 flying start for Gustepe, um, who were very close to signing Turkish international Sinan Bolat. But that didn't happen last minute. Uh, he ended up signing for, uh, for Ghent in, in Belgium. So uh, no high-profile replacement yet for Beto, although I have heard they are going after uh, Fabri now, the former Besiktas goalkeeper. So I'm curious to see whether that's going to happen. It would be very... Uh, it would be fun to see Fabri back in Turkey, but it would also kind of hurt because, I, I, you know, he's uh, obviously Besiktas fans. We, we love Fabri still. He's still at a good age, I think, where he could easily come back to Besiktas, but obviously Besiktas have uh, made a different choice. They are going uh, to pull the card of youth, and they're going to go with Ersin as their number one. Uh, but Gustepe with a fantastic start to the season. Denizli Spor, they'll have to uh, recover from that. They have plenty of matches to do so, but that uh, already puts them in a, an ugly deficit of minus four on the goal tally. Uh, let's move over then to Ankara Guju, who have a bad start at home against Erzurum Spor. Um, yeah, Erzurum Sport a couple of seasons ago when they relegated, I really thought it was a pity because they were an exciting team to watch. Uh, they, they, I did not think they deserved to relegate that season. That was one of those seasons where it felt kind of harsh to have three teams relegate. And then this past season we had three teams that I think kind of deserved to relegate and then they stayed up because of circumstances, obviously. But it's good to see Erzurum Sport back. Ankerekju, one of those teams that probably should have gone down to the second division and got saved last minute by a political intervention there. So not too surprised that they still with the, the transfer ban they had going into the transfer window. I did think they managed to make some signings now. But uh, yeah, bad result for Ankerikju on match day one. They lose at home. Let's move over then to Kayseri. Kasem Pasha, simple 1-0 win for Kayseri. Sport, good start to the season for them. A quick heads up, guys. Uh, unfortunately, for some reason, my recording software stopped uh, recording uh, after an hour into our recording. Fortunately, that was just before... Jakub and I got into the Trabzonspor Besiktas game, so fortunately we can just pick up right where we left off there. Unfortunately, uh, Burak and Umut have dropped off the call since then because obviously, you know, uh, not much left to talk about except for this game. And then quickly, uh, the Bashakshi here loss against Hatay Sport as well, of course. But uh, yeah, we wanted to let those guys go uh, for to have. Uh, the rest of their evening free. So we're just going to talk about the Trabzons for Besiktas game quickly, which ended in 1-3 in favor of Besiktas. The biggest takeaways from this game, I think, first and foremost for Besiktas, coach Sergan Yalcin was not with the team as he got tested positive for coronavirus. So a big get well soon to him. And of course, on the other side of the equation, we had Trabzonspor having to do without 
for top scorer Alexander Serlov. Um, let's delve into that situation before we talk about the match, Jakub. Alexander Serlov staying uh, away, staying home basically after the international break, not turning up back uh, for training for Trabzonspor as he's trying to force a move right now to uh, Leipzig. Uh, not a very professional way for him to conduct himself, and it definitely put Traps on Spore uh, on the back foot in this match as well. What are your feelings uh, on Serlo's behavior right now, and of course uh, the team's current state? Well, I'm I'm not happy with it. Um, I can understand why he did it. Uh, you know, he had one of the best uh, best best seasons of his career. He just keeps he's, he just kept scoring and uh, went on the radar of a lot of teams. And he wants to capitalize on it before, you know, you know, knock on wood before he gets uh, a, b- a bad season and his stock drops and a lot of teams are not interested anymore. But I still don't think that that's the way to go about it, you know, to try to force a transfer like two days before the season starts, two days before you're playing against one of the biggest rivals in the in in in, this, in, in the competition and you just uh, don't come back from the international break. Um seems like childish behavior you know he's a, he's a grown-ass man he's like 25 years old or something and if he, if he was if he was a young young boy i would uh, you know i would kind of get why he does it you know being 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 a childish uh, childish person but as i said he's he's a he's a bigger he's, he's an older guy and it's it's just unbelievably childish behavior and it it only lets um to, to a hor- horrible, uh, you know, performance by Trabzonspor because we are so used to having having Serlo at the point. You know, he was always the first player. Um, he was always the first player that 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 which which name was always written on the on, on the sheet because um, he didn't really miss any any games last year. He played he pretty much played in every game, and uh, him forcing Trabzonspor's hand. You know, trying to get a, a deal with Leipzig done. Uh, it's just unbelievably, unbelievably unprofessional from him. Um, Trouble Sports obviously trying to think about their own before they are thinking about the player. They are thinking of getting the most for a player, and um, Sherlock is one that can easily, uh, you know, get a player twenty million euros. And every every penny that uh, that's above twenty million is 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 uh, you know is a win for Trouble Sport because we we are in a precarious situation financials. Uh, if you look at the financials, so it it it's probably dragging on too long for for Serlot, so that's why he did what he did, and um, you could see it on the pitch. Trabzonspor pretty much played like it was eleven random people on the pitch. Uh, we didn't really have um, any tactics. Um, we are used to Serlot having a lot of pull from the defenders. You know, pulling two defenders to him, opening up the play a lot more for the. For the wingers, for for Ekuban and Wakayeme, um, and it's just, you know, it's 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 just horrible. What more can you say? Yeah, it definitely puts a bit of a bomb under Trabzonspor's season going forward. Serlov was a very instrumental part of the team last season, of course, very influential. And also, I think they were very much hoping that they, he could still be that this season and then probably hope to move him on at a, at a very big profit uh, next summer. But uh, it seems like uh, Serlov wants to cut that stay short, wants to leave now. We'll have to wait and see how that happens. Of course, the situation is complicated. Trabzonspor have an option to buy him for $6 million. 
which they have to basically trigger by January. Um, Crystal Palace, in, in that situation, technically they can't recall him. Um, there's talk of them taking a penalty, recalling him anyway, and just taking, basically just taking the penalty from FIFA uh, or whatever, or whichever governing body uh, will uh, apply uh, judgment on the case. But it's a very weird situation. Um, I, I also really don't understand it from Serlo's point of view because I think you need to look at it as a little bit... Uh, let's say he goes to Leipzig and he flops. If he leaves through the front door at Trabzonspor, if he leaves in a good way and he gets them lots of money and he leaves them in a positive way, he is always going to have a home at Trabzonspor. If he's 32 years old and his career is coming to an end, he's going to have the opportunity to go back there, get a last paycheck in a comfortable environment where he is loved and adored by everyone. And I just think he's putting a he's blowing bridges up right now. I don't think a single Trabzonspor fan is going to put him on a pedestal anymore after this. If this is the way he leaves the club, I, it's just not. I don't really understand. He doesn't need to do this. He can put pressure on the board without doing stuff like this. This is just going to cause him, um, yeah, getting hated by by fans that absolutely love and adore him. And I, I at the end of the day, I know footballers are in it to make money, but. They're also in it for the fans. They should be at least, right? I mean, that's part of why you play, to be loved and adored by the fans. And he would have gone, I think, his whole career being loved by millions of Trabzonspor fans. And now he's just putting a bomb under that as well for his own future. I don't know. It, it feels, for me personally, even as a Bishesh fan, I even told my friend this the other day. Like, I, I find it appalling. And I, I, I know that's... It's probably not really Sir Lot doing it. It's probably his agent pushing for it, and that's usually how this goes. I, but yeah, it, they they have too much power in this situation. It's very unfortunate for Trabzonspor. You could see it in the match. It definitely had their its impact on their play. They were just lackluster simply because of the fact that, of course, your Ekuban was forced to play in the striker role. That is, he, He's not a natural striker. You could see that uh, every time the ball got played into him. And there were multiple situations where I thought to myself, if they had a real striker right there, I think we would have had some issues, especially with Wellington not being uh, the most secure defender at the back. Um, boring game all in all I felt like from both sides Bishesh weren't very uh, particularly impressive either especially in the first half um, good goal from Tyler Boyd although it did take a deflection which definitely helped it beat Urjan um, yeah not much goal scoring opportunities I don't really remember much from Trabzonspor in particular I don't remember anything from Bishesh either except for the goal in the first half and then of course in the second half especially after uh, the penalty um, and, and the red card for Flavio the match opened up a little bit more a little bit more room Jeremy Lenz scored a very good goal on the counter good assist from Torokan Tokus who comes back from his injury um, Bishesh had a couple of more chances I think and then of course Trabzonspor scored where Ersin made a big blunder um, but uh, all in all I thought Ersin played a good game apart from that and I'm just very happy that he got that out of the way in this game where it doesn't impact the scoreline where it doesn't really impact well it doesn't impact the scoreline but it doesn't impact the end result it doesn't cause Bishesh any points I just hope he learns from this and that he can build on it further because I do he is the first Turkish goalkeeper at Bishesh in a very long time that I have liked um, there's a lot of positive I see in him I have high hopes for him 
Uh, I just hope that he can learn from mistakes like this and get it out of his uh, his game. Um, let's talk a little bit about Traps and Sports transfer window so far, though. Obviously, um, the plan wasn't really to get a replacement for Serlot yet, so not much uh, movement in the striker department. But there have been some movement in, in terms of the, their midfield, of course. Jose Sosa left in the summer. They had it to be replaced. They got uh, another Norwegian international, if I'm not mistaken, Tronsen, which, uh, unfortunately, he suffered an ACL injury not too long ago. What were your first impressions from him? In uh, the friendlies that you saw, did you do you think that he's the type of player that could uh, replace Jose Sosa long term at Trabzonspor? I mean, um, he he did have um, that spark to him. You know, he was he, he was the one that um, the moment he got the ball, even before he got the ball, he always looked uh, looked ahead. You know, tried to pass. You know, he always looked at uh, at the passing lanes and. He was pretty much the guy that was uh, supposed to take over from where Sosa left. And um, I think that the board and, 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 and Eddie Newton pretty much banked on him doing that. But um, they, uh, you know, they, they all put their eggs in one basket and uh, the basket fell over and all the eggs broke pretty much. So um, we don't really have another player that is uh, that is a ball distributor uh Tronson was uh, in 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 in, uh, in in the friendly games he was always uh, he was always the one that was doing that with uh, with Flavio and Abdelkader Parmak um doing more defensive duties and um we just don't have anyone at the moment that can that can reliably do that Flavio is more of a, a of a mellow type of player he's more um a player that is uh, trying to get in the brain of the opposing players to get them off the ball. You know, he's more of a physical player, and our midfield is pretty much just just dead at the moment. Uh, you know, last year we also had Ndiaye. Ndiaye would, could always do that a bit. You know, with his pace, and he he took long he took long strides, so he could uh, get up the pitch really quickly. And yeah, at the moment we we don't have anyone. Our midfield is is, is pretty horrible at the moment with uh, Guillerme. And um, Germán Abdelkader Parmak pretty much being our only midfielders, um, and all the rest of them are youngsters that probably won't get any meaningful minutes anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could you could see it against the Besiktas that there was just no creativity at all. Um, you couldn't; uh, they weren't really confident enough to get the ball forward. Even even though, you know, I don't think that. Um, I you know I, I think that if 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 Solos played that would uh, you know take the team more easily forward so it it has like a it has like a knock on effect with Solos yeah, being yeah. being away. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think it's uh, even Solos being there would be a magic fix because there's definitely still stuff that Trabzonspor need to resolve. I think they they lost a lot of chemistry that they had last season because of course you know that team was. You know, Sosa was there for a while already, and and you definitely had a rapport with the rest of the team. And I, I don't think you necessarily have a bad midfield. I just think it's a little bit unbalanced, uh, perhaps. Uh, I think uh, I, I'm surprised you guys didn't try to get uh, Badu and Daya for another season, for example. That's somebody I think that could have been uh, very useful for you guys this season. Um, I, I'm also a little surprised that you guys didn't go in for, for Bernard Mensa, of course, who Bistich managed to sign on loan from Kayseri Sport. I think that's somebody who could have done really well at the Trabzonspor as well. And I think right now uh, we have that situation with Bistich uh, and Galtry and, and, and Trabzonspor. They all really needed to strengthen their core a little bit. 
Besiktas did that now with getting Mensa, with getting Souza, um, and 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 Galatasaray and, and Trabzonspor are lacking a little behind on that front. Their their midfield uh, still needs uh, some tweaks for sure. I think for Trabzonspor more than any other team perhaps. And we've alluded to it before in this in this episode that there's going to be a lot of matches this season, 14 total in the Super League alone. Teams are going to need squad depth. Trabzonspor don't really have that. What's the rumblings in terms of the transfer market? Are Trabzonspor still aggressively going after midfielders uh, and, and other positions right now? Um, yeah, at, at the moment, uh, the, the transfers are pretty much being done um, for the defense. Uh, we are currently pretty much defenseless. We don't really have uh, any good defenders. Um, Manuel da Costa has his uh, contract uh you know, rescinded, so he's gone on a free. Um, supposedly, Oseini is going uh, going to Porto, and we didn't get any mid. We didn't get any defenders. We got midfielders. We get we got an attacker at the, in in Steven Plaza, but we didn't get any defenders at all. And our defense was already shaky last year. And but you guys did you know, get uh, Edgarier back. Uh, from loan from from Freinotti. of course he hasn't played a single minute for you guys last season. You you basically got him in that deal for Yusuf, and then he mm-hmm. immediately went out on loan. Uh, you of course are from Rotterdam. Uh, you support Feyenoord in, in the Netherlands. Did you get a glimpse of him? What are your impressions of of him? Do you think he's going to be a part of the team going forward? Do you think he's going to be important? I mean, he's a he's he's a pretty good uh, player with the ball on his feet. Um, but there were a lot of reports coming out that he was going to sign with uh, with Feyenoord once again, uh, you know, uh, alone with an option to buy. But um, that didn't happen, and it, uh, the new reports are coming in that uh, that he's going to stay at Trabzon. But for some reason, I don't think that he will be a starting player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all the you know all the BS that's going on backstage, and. Um, you know, the issue isn't that we didn't have one extra defender. The, the, the issue is that we didn't really have a defensive pair that was always consistently playing. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's just going to happen. That just that's, just that's just going to keep happening. And it's you know it, it it's annoying me to bits. We are linked to several defenders, but we have been linked with several players of which people told um, you know. Pretty reliable people told that we already got them. We were just waiting on whatever money or something. The limits, probably. And, yeah. I mean, it seems like we, we, we and you know, Transport and Bishlar are the only mm-hmm. ones that are thinking about the limits. But you know, yeah, it's weird. Who cares? Right? At, who cares at the moment if you if you can just pretty much buy any player and you know be okay with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find but, that very odd as well. Like it seems like Bishlar and and, and Transport in particular are really trying to fit everything within those limits and then we see Fenerbahce sign players left and right and obviously now they have that 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 Vedat Muric money which I think they were pretty confident on and and maybe already had assurances on so maybe that's why they made the moves they did so far but still though you see Fenerbahce throwing around quite a lot of money for for older players really uh, short-term moves and then you wonder why aren't those limits affecting them? Why are, are Besiktas, why are Trabzonspor so heavily impacted by these limits? Obviously, for Galtzray, we know their, their their budget for this year is significantly higher than uh, than the other teams. So there's 
you know we can understand it a little bit there. But for Fenerbahce, their their budget is twenty million euros this season going into the transfer window. Obviously now with with Muric being sold, I don't know exactly how much of that money will be counted towards their budget. But uh, they started off with 20 million budget. Trabzonspor started off with roughly 20 million. I think Bisha started with 36, and then we had Galatasaray with like 60. So Galatasaray definitely had the highest budget. But uh, it, it's very curious. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Sirlot, he's probably gonna force that move successfully. I would imagine at this point. Is there any talk at all about a potential replacement for Sirlot? Um. Not really. I have um, heard a couple of people. Uh, we have a Trabzonsport Discord channel um, that grew out of the um, out of the uh, Trabzonsport subreddit, and I have heard of a couple of people being uh, mentioned. Mm. But you know, I would not be surprised if you guys end up with Vincent Abubakar. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that. Um, Abubakar has a couple of health issues that are just, you know, not okay. If you, mm, if you yeah, can see definitely. It. I mean, he has the, the knee issues, and that's the main reason why Bistej aren't... Bistej are interested in him, but he's kind of like their last resort right now, and that's due yeah. to their concerns about his health. But I I think that with Abubakar, it's kind of like Dembaba. Bistej were very concerned about Dembaba when he came off of his leg break, and they didn't take the gamble, they, they, they didn't dare. And then, of course, he went to, to Bashakshir and, and he did really well for the last season. Um, Abubakar is kind of the same thing, you know. You, you have to take that leap of faith and hope that he's going to be okay. Um, I have heard from many people that his knees are in really bad shape. Uh, from people I trust and rely in, in, in Portuguese media, people who, are, who have ties close to the club and stuff like that. And they have all told me... He's not the same player he was when you when he played for you guys before, and that's also what I'm telling my friends now because they're like, "Oh, I can't believe we're passing on Abu Bakar and we're gonna end up getting Nikola Kalinic." And why did we pass on Abu Bakar? Why did we pass on Balotelli? And blah and blah and blah. We're gonna end up with this guy now. I can't believe it. And to those people, I'm just like, "Look, guys, I'm sorry, but from what I'm hearing, Abu Bakar would be a massive gamble right now." The thing is, though. If you can get him for a relatively cheap price, relatively cheap wage, and he does find his his former greatness, so to speak, you have an amazing player on your hands, of course. I think it's definitely the type of signing worth, the type of risk worth to take for a team who have room to take those risks. I, I just don't think that, for example, Bishes right now are capable of taking that risk. I, I also think Trabzonspor aren't in a position right now, if they have to replace Serlot, they probably it wouldn't be the smartest move on their part to take a risk on a guy like uh, like Abu Bakar. What you could do, for example, is sign Papi Sisse and Abu Bakar, and then hope Abu Bakar does well. And if he doesn't, you still have Sisse, uh, you know, as as, a, as an alternative. But obviously, Sisse is thirty five. Um, he's not the, the best option, but he's, he's got a proven track record in the Turkish league. He's probably a very quick and easy fix, not too expensive. He's also free, um, so that is also you know an option. But of course, now I'm just throwing na- names out there who which are completely not linked to Trabzonspor right now. But we're just gonna have to wait and see, of course, how their situation develops. Uh, a few more thoughts on the match. What did you think of the opponents? What, what did you like about Besiktas? What, what did you not like about Besiktas? Um, and, and any thoughts on their new transfers? Um, you know, I 
I, 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 uh, you know, Besiktas kind of slipped between uh, between my fingers, so to say, when 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 thinking about transfers, you know, uh, Fenerbahce is pretty much the big winner, so to say, because they did they made all the big name transfers. But we so, we know how that usually pans out. Galatasaray were the big winners of the transfer season last season, or or even Fenerbahce. Both Galatasaray and Fenerbahce both made really big moves, and they both ended outside of the top five. So. Oh, that's not true, actually. Yes, it is. I mean, I mean, right? I mean, uh, uh, you know, an injury is is could happen any time. But mm. I I still think that Fenerbahce's squad last year wasn't that bad. It was just uh, all the circumstances were just horrible, so it happened. But you know, as I said, Besiktas pretty much flew under the radar for me. Um, I still think that you have a horrible, uh, uh, horrible uh, emptiness uh, mm-hmm. in the striker position. Yeah. You know, I don't think that Kyle Larin, even though he did pretty okay in Belgium last year, is yeah. is a starting striker. Same with Guen Yeljen. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, Mensa and Ensakala were so good. Um, I, I Ensakala pretty much killed any any attack that we had over the uh, over the left, you no, know, over the right wing, and. You know, Mensa pretty much dribbled around every player of us. He was he was a really good midfielder. He's pretty young, so I think that if if yeah, he's, he's only twenty five years old, twenty five, twenty six, he's in his prime years now. Yeah, so. if if uh, if uh, Besiktas is able to get him, even though his 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 transfer clause is pretty high, mm-hmm. I think that he million, could. Yeah. yeah, I think that he can play for the next five years or something. He's he's a pretty good player. He's pretty decent, or you can sell him for a pretty good price when. Mm-hmm. When, you know, when reminds me a little of, uh, of Manuel Fernandez. He gives me some uh, Fernandez vibes. Yeah, he's pretty calm on the ball, also. So um, I, I quite liked, uh, I quite liked the new transfers. Um, Ersin had a horrible, you know, mistake, but I don't think uh, he should be judged on that single mistake. I do have to say, Trabzonspor hit their first shot on goal in like the 65 min- 65th minute. So I'm not going to say he had a good game. But mm. I don't think that he should, you know, I don't think that Vista fans, a couple of fans that I know of, that immediately, you know, want to send him to the gulag just because he made, like, a horrible mistake. <laughs> that's, from, like, you know, a pretty young mistake. Yeah. I for me, the, the most important thing, thing. Uh, something I always look at for goalkeepers is not so much, you know, you, like you said, like, the first shot he had to stop was, like, 60 minutes or something. But throughout the game, what you do have is b- balls getting dropped in the in the box. And I always look at how a goalkeeper deals with those things. And I'm I, like, Ersin always impresses me on how he handles those high balls. Like, that mistake at the goal, that was just... I don't, I don't think that was his that inability. I don't think that was issue, lack of talent, lack of ability, anything like that. That was just for, I think, uh, just a lapse of concentration for a second there. Plus, um, yeah, just experience, lack of experience. I think people need to keep in mind this guy has, um, I think, 12 professional matches under his belt now. He's 19 years old. 12 professional matches. Let's not forget, like, a guy like Urjan, he's got, like... 60 plus games under his belt. A guy like Altai, the same thing. Like, he played two seasons for Ankaragücü before he even played for Fenerbahce and stuff like that. Like, Ersin is very inexperienced. Um, and and <laughs> he's a he's a youth product from the club itself. Like, if Bistish, if there's actual Bistish fans who think that he should be sent to the Gulag or whatever it is you said, uh, I think they probably need to consider supporting a different team because I think if you can't even support your own youth product, academy products that are showing great promise because they make one mistake, I think you're probably doing something wrong as a fan. But anyway, that's me being judgmental. Um, 
yeah uh, anything else you'd like to add on on this match um i don't think it was a penalty uh i think it was really soft and yeah. i I, I like to think of myself that I'm pretty, uh, you know, honest about stuff like that. That if it was a penalty, I would say it. You know me; mm-hmm. you have known me for the last year, so I think that you also kind of know that the, what what the way is that I think about uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, all in all, horrible game by Trabzonspor. I yeah. quite liked seeing Flavio, uh, you know, play even even though he got. Uh, a really, really stupid, easy yellow card. I don't think that it was his second yellow, to be honest. Um, his, you know, his 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 attitude, his uh, way of, you know, going into pretty much every game as it's a battle. You mm. could always, you you could also see it in the friendlies. I I quite like that, and I think that he's going to be a fan favorite in no in no time. I didn't really like the officiating in the match either. Like I think Ensakala got a yellow card where. At first glance, you think he slapped the player in the face because the player went down, but then in the replay, you could clearly see that the hand was just on the guy's shoulder. Uh, it was a very st- stupid yellow, I think. Um, uh, the penalty, I, I think it's a soft penalty, like you said. I think it's very stupid by Flavio to hold Atiba. I think he should just keep his arms to himself. And like Uma said earlier, you need to be very aware of what you do with your arms in the box. Um, yeah, I think... Once the referee goes to VAR and takes a look at that and sees those arms there, it's difficult for him to say no, I think. Um, yeah, it's a soft penalty for sure. And definitely a, a soft second yellow card. Um, yeah. I've said this several times last season where I really dislike second yellows, soft second yellows uh, for penalties, um, I really think they need to fix that. That's a problem. I think referees should be able to decide uh, whether they uh, they should be more lenient in those situations. If it's a yellow, it's a yellow. Okay, fair enough. But Flavio didn't do anything that players don't do a hundred times in the middle of the pitch, which doesn't get called ninety five percent of the time. Like, there's always arm wrestling going on, a little bit of tussling here and there. Um, yeah, he shouldn't have his arms around him. He should, he should know better, but it's it's just so much. It's very harsh to give a penalty and send the guy off at the same time. That's just, yeah, it's too much. Uh, quick look at the transfers for uh, Bishlish, maybe. So and Fabrice Ensakala and Wellington both came in from Alanya Spore, of course. Then uh, there is, of course, uh, Bernard Mensa coming in on loan from Kayseri Spore, which we already talked about. Aydin Hasic coming back from loan uh, to Umranje Spore. And he started in this match, 18-year-old. Um, anything particular you noticed about him? Uh, didn't really do that much. Uh, but I did notice that Trabzonspor were marking him very tightly. And uh, always seem to have two players around him. They they seem to be a little scared is maybe not the, the right word, but aware of him. What did you did you have any impressions of of Aydin Hasic? Um, to be honest, not really. Um, as you said, I, I I don't think that he got on the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sport were really trying to man mark him a lot. Um, but I do know that you like him a lot. I, I have a, I have a touch the you know the, the famous Besiktas the friend that uh, <laughs> that that is notoriously you know um, stringent and um, you know doesn't really like players immediately. And um, he, he he also says that the the guy has talent, but the the, the question is if he's if he's able to you know to, to portray it in the yeah. uh, in the in the big league so to say. 
Um, but, you know, and haven't seen him play a lot. Uh, he has some great runs. You know, he, he tries to always think a move ahead. He, he, he always tries to fill the fill the empty pitch, uh, empty parts in the pitch. But, um, yeah, it, it, it was a pretty boring game. It could have also been that I just zoned out after a minute. Yeah, and yeah, it, you yeah know. for sure, I understand. Yeah, I also so. think he's the type of player, like, he's, he's he has a really good shot. Like... Didn't like, he have like that one wonderful goal last year when he uh, was at whatever team he was, Karagunduk yeah, or something? He had uh, two, I think, or two or three good goals for Romagna, yeah. But he has like uh, also like in training, but also consistently in, in, in those matches, for example, like he has an exceptional shot. Um, and I think that playing him on the wing is probably not the best position for him. I think ideally, like down the road when he a little older, gets a little bit more maturity and, and becomes a little bit more instrumental in the team. I, I do think he will be moved uh, towards a more central role behind the striker. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be a right winger for the for the rest of his career. I think he will probably move more to the center, uh, but that's probably going to happen in a, a year or two maybe. Depends how the season goes for him, of course. But uh, definitely an exciting player to watch. Uh, another player that I'm very excited about is Atakan Uner. Uh, from uh, Altinordo, they got Bistec got him from Altinordo, uh, 21 year old winger as well. Um, has consistently played a lot the last couple of years, both for Altinordo and for um, I want to say Denizli Spor. Uh, like really, since he's 18, he has I think around 70 or 90 professional games under his belt. So that's really the graph you'd want to see from a young player coming up. Uh, had a good season last season as well for Altinordo. Um, I think he had four goals, eight assists or something. Um, and he played uh, against Sivas, I want to say. Friendly, looked good there. Got a couple of minutes here, but not too much. Then, of course, Francisco Montero. I think that's one of the guys that Bistich are going to be looking to build on from the back. Uh, he's really the Victor Ruiz replacement, left-footed ball-playing defender on loan from Atletico Madrid, but he didn't have uh, his license yet. Bistich couldn't uh, get that uh, in on time also in uh, due to the limit I think uh, so he couldn't play here but uh, it's gonna be interesting to see him and then of course you know Cal Aaron returning from loan and Oza Nozia Cooper returning from loan Oza for me very disappointing in this match didn't really see him Cal Laren also pretty much invisible and I do agree with you Bishes definitely have that gaping hole up top that they need to fill but more than that even I think the right back position is the biggest problem they have right now they really need to get a natural right back uh, because Nejib is a ticking time bomb. Um, you praised and Sakala for shutting down Abdul Qadir basically. Nejib basically did a complete opposite every time. Uh, Neokaema came on the ball. I, I almost had a heart attack, and I think Nejib uh, shat his pants a little bit. So it wasn't a good idea to wear uh, white trunks um, for this match. But fortunately for Nejib, <laughs> Neokaema couldn't do that much damage. But every time he had the ball, Neokaema was definitely the, the man that was going to do something in this match. If if Trabzon were going to win, it had to be Neokaema. And fortunately for Bistec, uh, a, a lucky deflection put them in the driver's seat and. Yeah, the, the penalty, the soft penalty on top of that. And then the red card, of course, uh, decided the match in Bistic's favor. Good start to the season for them. Three points, very important. Uh, Bistic had poor starts to the season the last couple of years. So this is very good to start for Sergei Yelchin uh, with a win. And we'll have to, of course, go on and see next week. They play on Taya Spore, another tough match. Uh, but there's plenty of matches to come this season. Trabzonspor. 
uh, have their work cut out for them, starting with zero points now. And, and of course, the big question mark for them, I think, more so than this loss. This loss is probably going to be forgotten quickly. But that situation surrounding Alexander Surlot is something we are going to have to track and follow closely. And hopefully for Trabzonspor, if he does leave, they can get a, a, a somewhat worthy replacement. I, I, I think it's almost impossible to fill the shoes of a guy like Surlot, a guy like Mario Gomez. You don't replace a guy like that easily. But uh, hopefully for Trabzonspor, they will uh, fill those gaps in the team and uh, have a successful season. And the same for Bishesh, they still have uh, some gaps to fill. So let's quickly then cover the remaining two matches of the Super League. Uh, and the most important one, um, I think, was, of course, tonight. And that was uh, our reigning defending champions, Bashakshi here, losing at home. Uh, no, sorry, away from home against the newly promoted Hatay Spore, who make their Super League de debut zero to two, uh, two to zero rather. Uh, yeah, surprise really. Hatay with a lot of new signings, getting the win against an experienced side that has been playing together for a long time. Uh, Bashakshir definitely <laughs> would have liked to start their season in a different way. Uh, and also before we quickly address that Antalya Spor yesterday defeated against Sterberly 2-0 so that's of course that other result but we're not going to go too deep into that but were you surprised to see the result tonight Bishakshi here losing uh, their first match of the season I did um, I you know Bishakshi didn't really lose a lot of players they pretty much um, only lost Rubinho I think and um, Ifanjan is supposedly going to Villarreal I don't know how long that is going to take Mm -hmm. But they still have a pretty good team, and they, you know, they got Rafael and they got an uh, Emboli or something. Yeah. I think so they lost they, Klichy as well. I think Klichy was yeah, end of yeah. contract, right? Yeah, but you know, all in all, they still pretty much have the same team as last year. So it's, mm -hmm. it it was unbelievable that they lost to a new, uh, you know, the, the newly promoted team. But yeah. um, it could have been that uh, that Hatay Spor was just playing with the power of you know Baklava and uh, Kunefe and all those things, and they just you know kept going at it. I, it you know it always uh, I always I always like it when new teams um do good mm -hmm. you know um we talked about how Fatih Karagumri got uh, Lucas Biglia and uh, you know is pretty much throwing money at the wall and Hatay Sport didn't really do that as far as I know. Yeah no they didn't they made some signings they made moves but they definitely didn't spend extravagantly they they didn't sign anything um, any big names? They they have some familiar names, like for example Strail Popov, which we will remember from Kasimpasha. I think they got him last January, oh, this this January already. Uh, they have some familiar names that have played in the Super League before. Uh, somebody you will definitely remember, uh, Guk Denis, uh, or what's his name? No, Guk Han Denis. Yeah, right, yeah, right, right. Our famous flop. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's we actually uh, promoted quite a few teams to the Super League. Uh, yeah, we when when we got him, he had like I, I'm I'm exaggerating, but he had like like 35 goals or something in the second division, and then he never played. We we got him for like one million euros, and he never played. Um, yeah, I, I'm looking at their team, and they got they also got Isaac Saki, who played at uh, who played at Denis Dispor, Alain Spor, and uh, but all in all, it's it's a pretty pretty Modest tame team. team, you know. Yeah, so Modest, uh, it's. Oh yeah, they got Adama Traore from uh, from Monaco, so mm -hmm. that's that's kind of the big big transfer that they had. Yeah. But it's always nice, you know. It it, it kind of seems like a small. It, it, I always love it when a small team or a relatively small team does mm. does does well. Yeah, and, I like um, that with Erzurum as well. Like uh, two years ago, when Erzurum was in the Super League before, 
they also had a modest team, but they did well. And I was very disappointed when they ended up relegating, and I'm happy to see them back. And I, I, I'm, I always like it when those teams prom- that promote don't do stupid things. Like, they yeah. sign... They do mindful transfers, and they then perform. Like, actually, the Nislispor last season kind of did that as well. Yeah, they got Hugo Rodallega, which is a, a big name in the Super League, but they were pretty modest with their spending, you know? And then you have teams that, that just go all out. And like, for example, like Lucas Biglia at Fatih Karamgrumrik is a very interesting signing. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. But, uh, yeah. The, the, f- the interesting part is we were also... Um, linked to Lucas Biglia and we didn't get him. Yeah. Um, the supposed salary is 2.8 million a year. Mm. So uh, they are pretty much trying to, you know, throw shit at the wall and just hope it sticks. You know, yeah. they got pretty, they got a pretty okay team. You know, they got Enzo Rocco from you guys. Mm. Um, they got Sheishu, they got Mevlut from uh, from uh, uh, from Fener and they got Fato Arvelaze, who's, I think, um, Archil, not Shota, Archil's son. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I don't know. I, I have a feeling that it's going to be, uh, 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 you know, that the newcomers are going to have a pretty okay season. Yeah. Um, and Karagumuk is definitely an interesting team to watch for sure. Like, it's, yeah. it's going to be, it's, it could potentially be exciting to watch them play. I mean, I I only think that, the, you know, I only like the Super League when Trabzonspor is doing well. So, <laughs> let's hope that... Um, Let's hope that it's a fun season. Let me say that. I hope that it's uh, you know injury-free season. We already suffered as, yeah. as we have, and I just hope that nobody else, you know, no team uh, will will suffer major injuries. But you know, it's it's just uh, it's just uh, uh, like um, like flipping a coin at the moment. Yeah, I think. Yeah. You still there? Oh, okay. So um, a little question before we before we go, um, you, you as you already said, uh, Sergen was uh, Sergen was uh, diagnosed with the coronavirus. I think mm-hmm. that like a a, a secondary uh, Hakem also uh, a referee yeah. also got uh, got it. Yeah. Do you even do you think it's responsible to play oh. this game? Because I think it's absolutely stupid no, to do no, this. I, don't. I mean, look, the trainer of a team tested positive and are you gonna tell me he didn't have any contact with those players like he didn't shake hands he didn't like did he always wear his mask in their vicinity like i'm not i sorry whenever i see training pictures of Sergan, he's not wearing a mask like i don't <laughs> i don't think this is responsible like what are they gonna do if uh, in, in in a week or so suddenly uh, half of Trabzonspor and Besiktas uh, are positive and they can't play. What are they going to get scrapped from the league and relegated? What's going to happen? Like, I don't know. I, I have a, I have a feeling that the league will be suspended in like, like four weeks. I think four or five weeks because I, I the, the the current the current view um, of how the virus is developing in Turkey isn't really promising. You know, mm. it's 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 horrible all across the world, but it's it's kind of disturbing how horrible it seems to be. And yeah, it's because hope. many people in Turkey don't take it serious. Like they laugh at it. They, they like. I think Umut was heckling uh, the behavior of many people a couple of weeks ago. I remember him saying stuff like, "There's people who are like blatantly um, just going, ah, you know, I'm immune, basically. Uh, like the kind of behavior, like they're they're bragging about going, doing the opposite of what they're supposed to do and stuff like that." And 
yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm very curious to see whether this season actually ends, uh, whether it gets finished. I understand why they decided to go through with it for the clubs. It's a lot of money. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, the clubs are already in a very precarious position financially. I think if they decide not to play and the, the be-in money gets pulled... Uh, and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I think that's the, that would be the potential death of, of Turkish football. Because if, if Besiktas, Fenerbahce, Galatasaray, Trabzonspor die, I don't know what happens. Like, then, then Turkish football is dead, I think. Uh, so I understand why they make the decision that they made. It's basically, like, it's what every government in the world is doing right now. They are making very difficult decisions where they basically choose their economy over the population's health. And... You know, if they wouldn't be doing it, the land would go under. Basically, the countries would go bankrupt, and 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 people would lose their jobs and their houses and whatever. And and then people would hate them for doing that. And yeah, it's a very difficult position, like for the decision makers in every uh, facet of society. It's very tough. But do I think it's responsible to play football right now? Definitely not. When there is a been a positive test in the team. And they have a match two days later or one day later. Like, yeah, no, like, I don't. But yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I'm very curious to see if we're gonna see more positive uh, tests uh, coming out of either team. And uh, I'm very curious what then the reaction of the league will be. Yeah. Anyway, I think that'll do it for this week's episode of uh, Football All Circa. Again, I do apologize for the technical difficulties we have unfortunately encountered where we lost a part of our recording, but obviously we re-recorded that part. Uh, but uh, for Burak Sezgin and for Umut Nadiri, I wish you all uh, good health and I hope you will be back with us next week for next week's episode. Jakub, I want to thank you very much and of course our two co-hosts that have already dropped drop of the call. Thank them very much as well for joining us. I want to thank you for listening to Football Ala Turka. See you again next week. See ya. Have a nice week everybody.